Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! joining you on a Thursday morning. We are always glad to be with you on a uh, on a, any day. We appreciate you guys tuning in, be it at supertalk.fm or wherever you're getting podcasts from. We love that you're tuning in to hear what we've got to say, and we appreciate you guys, especially the servicemen and women who take care of us every single day. We want to thank our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. It's still blindingly cold outside. And I tried sweater weather today. And? As you refer to it, liquid, liquid Christmas. Christmas. I'm a huge fan. Okay. Outstanding. All right. uh, as I said, anything with hazelnuts going to probably be a yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely a yes. Yeah. Okay. Good, good stuff. A little hint of Bavarian chocolate with some gingerbread with a hint of hazelnut. You like you that? Just, it, right. it was... Top notch, yes. We'll, we'll we'll get again if they put that back on drip, which I'm assuming they will over the next yes. couple months. Liquid Christmas. That's Whatever you want to call it, I it's call good. it good. I wonder if they'll make an ice cream out of it. But, you know, they, did, they, did, they did a blueberry cobbler ice cream at one point. I, I guess did, did you try that? Did no, because it's blueberry cobbler coffee ice cream. So, and, and you know. Yeah. But I, I would not be surprised to see a sweater weather or... At that point, it's not liquid Christmas, though. It's frozen Christmas. Frozen Christmas. You know yeah. what that is right there. That right? is a million-dollar <laughs> idea. If, 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 if Shane would just take a pad out and write down all of our million-dollar ideas, he'd have, like, an extra $8 million right now. Do we know that he's not doing that and he's planning it? I haven't asked. Well, I mean, none, we, you know, none of, some of them could have already been put into practice, and, and it's just not happening. So I don't think he's listening. we got to figure that out make it happen for him. All right, we're going to talk uh, a little later in the show about Alabama, Mississippi State, and our good, close, personal friend, Brett Hudson from the Tuscaloosa News, will join us for the first time ever on Thunder and Lightning, a dueling interview. We, 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 have, we, have, a new, we have a new hotline. We now have the technology. We can rebuild it. <laughs> but we're going to start off with a little signing. You know what? Hey, whatever. Hold on, hold on. It's recruiting news. So this is what we're going to do with baseball. We're going to try to put that off for a little while. I'm going to try to get somebody on the show who knows a little bit more about those kind of things than I do. Because baseball recruiting, I don't think I'm speaking out of school when I say for the media it's the toughest one to track yeah, because twenty four seven sort of has like a one stop shop for for basketball and football, baseball. I mean, I think Perfect Game is probably the best one, but I don't subscribe to Perfect Game. And then you know, I don't think Perfect Game is the best one for baseball coverage. I would think that would be either D one or Baseball America. You know, either Kendall or Teddy. But I don't think they're as good on the recruiting. So it's just it's just a pain. So let's 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 leave baseball aside. Let's talk about men's basketball and women's basketball. We'll start with the women. Uh, two signees for them, uh, both top 100 players. Uh, the, the the I guess the crown jewel of the class is five star point guard Madison Hayes. Uh, she is uh, rated as I think the number 25 player in the country according to ESPN. A, I mean a six foot guard. You know I mean. No, I'm not. I hate to try to make it, but in, even in the guys' game, a six foot guard is fine. Yeah, well, so, you know, we'll talk about him in a minute. But states men's basketball five eleven, five eleven guard, right? Today, so. And then out of Pearland, uh, Texas, where I, I, I ate in Pearland, Texas, 
uh, a couple weeks ago. Barbecue. Yeah, oh yeah, it was. I figured. Uh, but her her name is uh, Deanya Gaston, uh, six foot two forward. Oh, we got to talk to Vic Schaefer uh, earlier on Wednesday, and you you've talked to Schaefer not as much as I have, but you have talked to him, and he's usually a pretty stoic guy, pretty laid back. I don't feel like I'm I'm saying anything. I don't feel like I'm I'm saying it wrong. And the video is there for you to watch at, at Sports Talk Mississippi's Twitter feed. He was gushing. He was gushing about these two players. He was fired up, excited about his two players, and uh, that you know that's really good news for, for Mississippi State. Obviously, you know when you look ahead to next season, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. But you know, other than Danbury, everybody's going to be back, and now you're adding two more quality pieces like this. This team's getting this 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 program is getting ready to make another run. Like they did with the Vivian Schaefer William class, basically. Well, I mean, I know we've discussed it ad nauseum on the show, but Vic has the women's basketball program at a level that you know the the football team that's coming to up highway or you know across Highway 82 to Starkville on on Saturday. You mm-hmm. know the machine they've kind of got going. I mean, state doesn't quite yet have the national title, but from a program building standpoint. State women's basketball is is getting close to that level at this yeah. at this point. I, I know that's you know almost blasphemous to say that that another program could be that that level. I mean, it's not you know state's not UConn yet in right. women's basketball, but I mean they are at a point now where with the way Vic recruits and this this class continues it. I mean they're going to be in that national conversation for the foreseeable future. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and then with uh, with Gaston, who I think is re- she's rated the number ninety five player overall, four star player. Just another, just looks like another one of these, you know, girls who can play down low for him and do the dirty work and, and collect the bucket to six foot two. You know, she, just just a very very uh, exciting class again for Mississippi State. I, I think that you know, I, I, it's just something to see. I, I don't I don't expect to see that kind of. Uh, that kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Attitude's not the right word. That mood from from Vic Schaefer, he could he couldn't he couldn't stop smiling. And he's not a coach either that needs to, you know, try to. I don't know what what the way to say it is. He doesn't need to polish a turd, kind of so to right. speak. You know, I mean, he 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 is bringing in top talent all the time, so he doesn't have to sit up there like some coaches do and get up there and try and sell you on a subpar class. Right. I mean, if he says somebody's good. I trust the man that somebody's good, you yeah. know, and, and and like you said, he, he gets up there and and, and praises and and you can just tell he's he's genuinely excited about the, these these girls coming in. Yeah, I mean, he's not bluffing, right. <laughs> you know. He has no reason to bluff at this point, right? So you just trust him. Again, I think the word with Vic Schaefer nowadays is just trust, right? If he brings somebody in, he's not bringing them in just to bring them in because state is a a program now that can kind of be choosy a little bit, and, and I, not to say they hit on everybody, but but you know you, you can get some big fish out there now. So right. and, and he's getting the ones that he likes. So yeah, I, the machine rolls on. You know what's interesting is we might be on the verge of some rivalry times here in Mississippi. Yeah, because Ole Miss signed two four five star girls and a two two. Uh, they're, they're, they're high three stars from what I can tell, including they got the number one player in Mississippi this year. 
which, you know, I, I, Vic, I think Vic had his eyes set on one guard, and that's the one he got. Uh, the, the girl they got, Ja'Cory Bracey, is ranked lower than, than Madison Stevens. Madison Hayes is, I'm sorry. And, uh, but that said, Coach Yo She's got, it rolling got something going up yeah. there. So I won't be one of those people who tells you it's good for the state. It's good for the state. It's not good for Mississippi State. Mississippi State would much rather just stay, just keep them down forever. I am a firm believer that in all sports, State and Ole Miss is a zero-sum game. You know, one it's difficult for both to be successful at the same time. Before anybody points to football, I like to point to an NCAA investigation that happened. So, something to keep an eye on for the foreseeable future. I don't think it affects this season, but in years to come, it, it, it could. The problem with, with Ole Miss is that Vic has stacked four, three or four classes together like this. This is Ole Miss's first one. Yeah. So, they've got to start doing that, too. Can they do that? I don't know. You know it's, it's got to be really difficult to imagine they could because they're just not going anywhere, you know. So can this pro, could, could two elite women's basketball programs exist in this state at the same time? That just feels like a stretch right off the top of my head. It does. It does. But we'll uh, see. But, yeah, today was a, a big step for Ole Miss to try and claw back into it a little bit, so to speak, anyway. Yeah, so. But a good class for Schaefer, like I said, he seemed very, very excited about his group and – uh very, very happy. Going over to the men, uh, Devon Smith, the lone signee today. Now, you may be thinking, weren't there, weren't there two uh, commitments? There were, uh, but that said, Cameron Matthews, the uh, small forward out of Olive Branch, has not signed at this time. Uh, I don't think it's an issue of is he wavering or anything like that. He, I think he just has not signed for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason might be. Talking to Paul Jones from uh, 24-7 Sports earlier today, he said, he didn't seem to have any concerns or issues about it. Just he hasn't signed. But Devon Smith has signed a five foot eleven point guard out of Grayson High School, Loganville, Georgia. Four star kid, ranked at twenty four seven as the number fifty two player overall, the number seven uh, overall guard or point guard in the country, an elite player for, for you know for, for Ben Howland. So you know on this day, Mississippi State got three elite players signed between two basketball programs. That's not a lot of players, and, and they. Somebody asked me about this on Twitter. With the men, you know, they only have 12 scholarships next year because of this NCAA stuff. And you've got Carter and Datcher going, and then you'll see what happens, obviously. But there's not a lot of scholarships to give. So Yeah, it seems like this is a this is a true point guard, according yeah. to Ben Howland. Yeah. Uh, so is Iverson, would you is he a true point guard? No, I mean, he is you, a combo guard. So so yeah, so you could with Iverson, you got Stewart, you got this guy coming in. I mean, you got some definite options there in the backcourt that, that could make for a, a pretty exciting uh, backcourt for State in the coming years. Um, yeah. It's going to – Boy, you can't, you can't help but think that if, uh, if it was possible at all that, to, get, to get him here today, yeah, that they would take him. That. He'd play um, on the rotation. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, I mean, State's offense is going to have to – when you have the talent that State's going to have, I mean, four-guard lineups and things, that may be a thing in the future for Ben Howland, right? When you've got Iverson and you got Woodard and you got Stewart and you got – Yeah. I mean, because Woodard is a guy who could play out on the four, at the four yeah. a little bit. You know, so, so what, what the Warriors would call the death lineup back in the day where they just they spread you out and everybody can hit threes. You know, those those things are coming. That, that that's the evolution of basketball right now. It looks like state 
is sort of on, not I wouldn't say on the leading edge of it or anything, but they're, they're getting to that point where they can sort of play positionless. Now that, I think there'll always be a spot for the guy, the the the, the banger down low, especially with Ben Hallen, the way he wants to play defense. Yeah. But getting quality shooters who can handle is never going to be a bad thing for a basketball team. So Smith is a very good addition for Mississippi State. Like I said, he would play this year, I would imagine, just you know, with, with Weatherspoon out. Talking to Hallen today, uh, I think he's pleased with where his team is. You know, I think he realizes their limitations without Nick Weatherspoon at this time. He talked about you know having to find a way to get Tyson Carter some some rest. He, playing thirty nine minutes is just not going to work. Well, getting Tyson Carter rest is is just basically boils down to Iverson has to prove that he can yeah. well, handle he handle the he press. He can't get three and, fouls in the first half. Yeah, you know that's what that's what he needs to do. So. But all in all, I think with, with Allen, you know, and the state, of course, plays tonight as you're listening. They have a home game against uh, ULM. The um, home calls him six o'clock tip off. I, I think he just realizes that it, it's 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 about survival. And here's the thing: for people to say, okay, well, you know, state's just barely beating these teams, and then Kentucky goes and loses to Evansville, and Xavier beats Missouri, and LSU loses to Virginia Commonwealth. Did you see the FBI guys? No. I will save that for after the show. It is gosh darn hilarious. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, And then Auburn has to take a buzzer beater to beat South Alabama, a team state beat in an exhibition. Howland talked about that. He's like, look, in the early season, these young, these 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 mid-major teams, they're loaded with experience. Whereas a team like Kentucky, you got guys playing in their second game ever. Like in this part of the year, experience is going to win a lot of games for you. So luckily for him, he's got some experience. That's what I think. You know. A young team would never have come back against uh, Sam Houston. They would have just it, just it just wouldn't have happened. But having a guy like Tyson Carter, having Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard who played into the NCAA tournament, that helps a lot. So it's not an excuse. There, there is a great deal of parity in college basketball right now, and Mississippi State's two and zero, and Kentucky is not. Yeah, and 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 Kentucky now and Kentucky has played a higher caliber of opponent, and and they played uh, what Michigan State, and they beat them, but then they lost to a worse opponent. Then state has played, so not saying it's. I'm not trying to transitive property this thing here. I'm just saying. So, all right, let's move on to football. We'll start right with our interview. We'll get right into that uh, with our friend Brett Hudson from the Tuscaloosa News, now covering Alabama. Doesn't hurt me at all to say I feel perfectly fine. Let's go to that interview right now on the College Corner Hotline. Joining us on the College Corner Hotline, which we now have, we now have a hotline, and it's sponsored by College Corner. Breaking, breaking news to me. Yeah, it's, it's it's the hotline. College Corner, <laughs> two locations in Jackson, in the Jackson area, Fleet, Fleet by Fleet Feet in Ridgeland, or by and over there in, by, in Flowood by uh, the Half Shell, the largest and best selection of MSU merchandise you can find. Shop at either location or online at collegecornerstore.com and get the maroon and white merchandise you're looking for. Maybe you need to get a goodbye gift because a friend went away. But then a friend will come back from time to time, and that's what's going to happen this weekend as we will welcome back... One of our prodigal sons, Brett Hudson, now covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for the Tuscaloosa News. Brett, you are the you. This is the the maiden voyage of the hotline, and you are the captain. You know, I, it's it's a serious honor, and, and I have to wonder: does this come with a, a weather themed nickname like the Thunder and Lightning deal y'all have here? Do I do I am I rain? Am I like no. cloud cover? Well, you you might depending on what you say, you might end up being sunshine. You don't know. That's true. That's true. So we'll, That's we'll, true. We'll, we'll name you after the segment. I'll probably be rain. Okay. You know, you know Alabama. You know Mississippi State. You've seen both of these teams. 
sell me on a way. I don't know if wins the question. I don't think I don't think win is what I want to ask. But how Mississippi State slows down Alabama? Oh, slows down. Um, I think you might want to do the opposite. I think you might want to find a way to score with Alabama as opposed to slowing it down. I'm not sure that slowing it down is really a thing that's that's possible when when they have this wide receiver core that is as preposterously awesome as it is. And you combine it with a Steve Sarkeesian offense, and I realize the the small sect of Atlanta Falcons fans listening are about to get triggered, but a Steve Sarkeesian offense that actually uses those weapons the way they should be used and uses them pretty pretty intelligently um, for, for the most part. Uh, when, when you have those kinds of weapons, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough to, to slow them down. I think you're, you're – and this goes for everybody, not just Mississippi State, but we also just kind of saw LSU do this. You kind of got to outscore – Alabama, because I don't know that you can slow it down enough to win a game in like the twenties and thirties. I don't know that that's a that's a thing that a, a college defense can do. Just because this wide receiver group is is so ridiculously good that even if Tua doesn't play in this game and it's Mac Jones, like he Mac Jones can make the easier throws. In this offense, and they can turn those into into huge plays. I, I don't know how many times I've seen an eight yard slant turn into a sixty five yard touchdown in in this offense just because these wide receivers are so ridiculously fast. Um, so if I were if I were Mississippi State or any team that has to face Alabama from from here on out, I would tend to focus more on finding ways to score with Bama than slowing it down because I'm not a hundred percent sure slowing it down is something that's really in the cards we, we had the chance to talk to bob shoop finally uh th- this this very evening as we're talking and uh he had an interesting point and sort of and jaquarius landrew sort of echoed it a little bit later and he said that one of the problems people have against alabama is they play off those receivers trying not to get beat deep but those receivers are so good after the catch you leave them so much space he thinks it might be wiser to just get up in there and try to jam them off the line and then take your chances getting beat deep because, they, they, because like you said, they can turn these little short slant routes into 60, 70-yard touchdowns. What do you think of what Shoup's saying there? It, it's a good observation. I think that's, I mean, I think that's what I would do because it, if you watch the Alabama-South Carolina game, that's exactly what you're going to see. You're going to see South Carolina putting enough bodies in the box and forcing the RPO game, right, forcing the, forcing the ball to be thrown based on the numbers in the box, and then they played their DBs off, fearful of, be, of being beat deep. So their, their basic ideology was don't let Bama run on us, force them to throw short passes and see if, basically see if they'll eventually make a mistake in trying to nickel and dime you. But they don't nickel and dime you. They, they hit Devontae Smith for a, a six-yard route who makes two guys miss, and it turns into a, 75-yard touchdown, or they hit Henry Ruggs on a slant, and he turned it into a 75-yard touchdown. That that play literally happened in the South Carolina game, a slant for 75 yards and a touchdown. And I, I think Bob Shoup and Jaquarius Landrys are right. I, I think that's the way you have to do it. And yeah, there are going to be times where you, if you live by that sword, you're going to die by that sword. There are probably going to be times where 
Uh, one of them just gets the best of you, and you either have to hope that your safety is home and in the right position, or maybe they incomplete it or, or something. There are going to be times where that happens. But if you give them enough room to operate, you're basically allowing them to catch screens where they get in spread uh open field situations in one-on-ones and that's a that's a recipe for for disaster so I, I think they're right even if they're even if you have a set of dbs that isn't talented enough to match up with famous wide receivers one-on-one i think you got to at least give them the opportunity just because we, we've already seen what happens when you play off these Bama wide receivers so you might as well give it a shot playing on them and there were times where you can disrupt the timing of, of the passing game by doing that. LSU did that a few times in, in the game, so why not see if you can disrupt the timing just enough times to give your offense a shot? I, I think he's right. That's exactly what I'd do. Two questions for you, Brett. The first one might not be too terribly uh, too, too terribly in-depth. It may just be a yes or a no, he is or he isn't. You talked about two a while ago. Uh, as a Miami Dolphins fan that I'm hoping, you know, they finish this year 2-14 and 14 now, they've inexplicably won two games, uh, I, I would not mind seeing Tua as my future favorite quarterback. So, that said, I wouldn't mind seeing him play in front of my eyes on Saturday. What what percentage chance do you give Tua to play in this game on Saturday if you just had to, if you just had to put a number on it? I, I think it's actually 50-50. Uh, I, I think it's actually a game-time decision. This time, you know, I think I don't think anybody like realistically believed Nick Saban when he said it was a 50-50, like a, when he said it was a game time decision for LSU. I mean, did anybody really believe that? No, y'all are more. No. I mean, y'all are more uh, qualified to answer that than I am because like y'all are more public facing than or like part of the public than I am when it comes to Alabama. Like, did anyone believe that? No, don't think so. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't think anybody believed it, and there was nothing that was going to hold to us out of that game. But this one is more 50-50 for a lot of reasons. One, because the, the ankle clearly started bothering him towards the end of, game, end of that game, and it was more than just him having that heavy limp as he was walking off the field. There were a few snaps in there. For people that watched the game really closely, there's one snap in the fourth quarter, I think it was on Bama's last possession, Tua takes the sack because he stays in the pocket for about 45 minutes, just holding the ball for no good reason, waiting for someone to come open. And a fully mobile Tua, or frankly most quarterbacks, would have just took off and run. There was, there was a patch of green grass in front of him, but he, he didn't do that because he clearly didn't have the mobility in his ankle. So the ankle took more damage and started bothering him more later in that game. And, and this time... He has six days to turn around and play a game, not 20 from the last time when he set out the Arkansas game, had the open week before LSU. So in, in that situation, I don't think anybody really believed Nick Saban when he said to it was a game-time decision. I don't know that anything was going to hold Tua out of that game, but I, I think it's actually going to be a game-time decision with Tua against Mississippi State. I think they're going to wake up on Saturday and see how the ankle feels and see how he reacts in warm-ups, and if he thinks he can go, they'll let him go. And if they'd rather him not, then, then they won't. I, I will say this, though. We're recording this Wednesday night, and apparently Nick Saban's uh, uh, update after Wednesday's practice was that Tua uh, showed some progress, and his soreness wasn't nearly as bad through Wednesday's practice as it was through 
through Tuesday. So while that's good news for Joel and wanting to see Tua in person, it's uh, it's probably bad news for people that want to see Mississippi State compete in this game. <laughs> and uh, my last thing, and then and then Brian might may have some more for you. You know, he's he's just full of full of questions over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of a factor? It's obviously a factor, but how much of a factor is? The motivation from losing the LSU game, fans want to, you know, it's kind of a, a, a joke all the time that now LSU's ticked off Alabama. I mean, Strange Brew here in town's got the sign, Nick, we had nothing to do with last Saturday and things. You've been around that program this week. Um, does it seem like a, a ticked off bunch that's headed to Starfall on Saturday? Uh, it, it does. Uh, I will admit it, it does. They don't seem very, uh, very happy with, with life. <laughs> at this stage, so maybe that gets vented on on Mississippi State. That's certainly possible, but I think it's frankly, I think it's more important that they vent it on everybody because if you kind of spend this towards Bama's ultimate goal of getting back into the college football playoff conversation, the committee valued so much the eye test and the dominance that Bama showed before that loss to LSU so much so that they put Bama third over Penn State. Penn State had two top 20 wins at that point in time and was undefeated, of course. That was before going to Minnesota and getting uh, row the boat pun here, boat race in that game. <laughs> and then that was with Bama playing more or less nobody but beating the Hades out of all of them. And they still put Bama over Penn State because they were so impressed with the, with the dominance. So if this committee can be swayed by – beating the absolute brains out of average to below average teams, that's what Alabama needs to keep doing to keep themselves in that conversation. In the event they do get some help, like say a, a two-loss Oklahoma wins the Big 12 or even one-loss Big 12 champ for that matter or a one-loss Pac-12 champ, if they can beat the crap out of Mississippi State and then do what they're supposed to do to Western Carolina and then win the Iron Bowl by say 14 or more, something in, in that range, I think that would be a fair threshold of, of dominance to continue to impress the committee. Now, is it enough to overcome those one-loss teams once they have conference championships on their resume? Um, I'm, I'm not sure fading towards a little skeptical of it, but it's also clear that they do need to continue that dominance because that dominance has already gotten them places that their resume is incapable of. One last question. You said that you know you think the best course of action for Mississippi State or for anybody is to try and and try to run with Alabama and try to put some points on the board. You've seen this Alabama defense. It's not the Alabama defense we've seen before in, the, in years past. There still very talented, but not as good. And I don't feel like that's disrespecting the Tide to to say that. Uh, so I guess the question is: You saw Mississippi State with a healthy Tommy Stevens. They they look you know Kylan Hill's running the ball pretty well. I don't think State can outscore. I don't think they can win. I don't think they can outscore them. But can they, you know, make it interesting offensively for for a few quarters? I think so. If they do the same things that, that LSU did, you have to find ways to attack all portions of the field and make the defense honest and, and make the middle of the field think. You know, they, they have inexperience in the middle of the field. Most of the attention goes on the inside linebackers, the freshmen Shane Lee and, and Christian Harris. Uh, and you'll see a little bit of Mark Hill Benton in that role and some dime and quarter packages. Uh, so a lot of the attention goes there because it's mostly freshmen. And Mark Hill Benton is not a freshman, but he might as well 
be one just by experience. And then behind them at, at safety, uh, Xavier McKinney is back there sometimes in, in nickel, and he's playing at an All-American level right now. But since teams spend so much time and time these days, you're seeing uh, a Jared Maiden, who this is his first year starting, so he's, he's seeing a lot of things for the first time, and then a inexperienced Jordan Battle back there. So the, the middle of the field in, in Alabama's pass uh, coverage is, is inexperienced, and LSU did a pretty good job of exploiting that. They found ways to attack all portions of the field through the air. Joe Brady deserves a, a ton of credit there, and that includes the middle of the field. So if you can find ways to make this Alabama defense communicate and react on the fly and, and do things that they hadn't done to this point of the year, which there's a long list of those things. Since Again, we're talking about freshman linebackers. There are ways to, to move the ball in explosive plays and, and chunk plays, and that's how you can create scores and, and bunches. So I, I think Mississippi State is capable of that. Now, if the, if the offensive game plan is good enough, that, that remains to be seen. But I think they're certainly capable of it because – LSU, that game plan, LSU has elite athletes. I think we all know that. But that game plan would work with just above average athletes because it was savvy, it was intelligent, and it targeted the weaknesses of this Alabama defense. Well, I think your name should be partly cloudy because, uh, you know, there was a little sunshine poking through right there. Uh, I think that that was – that was uh, a little bit more optimistic than I expected. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll take I'll take partly cloudy. Yeah, I mean the spread or maybe mostly sunny. Warm, maybe we right? should go. Why don't you go? You should be going positive. Yeah, mostly sunny. Yeah, mostly sunny. I think I like that better. So. Well, I mean the spread was twenty-one, right? And yeah. we expect Bama to score forty on basically everyone because they've scored forty on basically everyone. So if you're taking a a twenty-one point spread, you're probably lining up somewhere in that 42 to 21 range, right? That would suggest State puts up three tutties on, on Bama. That's a respectable offensive performance, is it not? I would, I would, I would agree. agree, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So we'll see what happens Saturday, 11 a.m., Davis Wade Stadium. Brett Hudson will be back in the press box for the first time since he abandoned us to head over to Alabama and, <laughs> and greener pastures. All right, buddy, we'll see you on Saturday. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Well, Joel, you heard Brett say it there that you know he thinks for State to have any kind of chance to be upset-minded, it's going to have to be a high-scoring game that State is able to stay in. I'll ask you sort of the same question I asked him: Can they do it? I mean, my gut instincts no. <laughs> could, could State get twenty-eight points? Again, my gut instincts no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I'm not trying that that isn't a shot at State or State's offense or anything, but. Look, they, they struggled to, to, to get to 30 on, on A&M. They needed some garbage time TDs against A&M to get that high, you know? And um, they did look really good against Arkansas and put up a ton of points, but it's Arkansas. Yeah. It's tough. And, I'm not again, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. It's just that a lot of teams could could and have had big offensive days against Arkansas. Right. Um, I kind of actually, I know LSU won the game, but I see LSU and Alabama as similar teams. Yeah. And State had a little bit off since LSU, but no, I, I just don't think that, I'm not predicting State to get to 28. Okay. And, and like, yeah. like Brett said, like Brett said, Alabama hangs 40 on everybody. So, you know, I think that line for this game, about three touchdowns, is probably about right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so, no, I 
And that said, if, if Tommy Stevens is fully healthy, I think it makes State's offense a little more multidimensional. I agree. And I do think that if he – assuming he is fully healthy, that State can have a little bit of offensive success. Maybe even enough that we get to halftime and you kind of can at least toy around in your brain with upset thoughts for a minute. Yeah. I do think that in the end, Alabama wins this game by two or three really really pull away. But um, – but no, I, I don't think they can get to twenty eight. If you're just, if that's just the the one question, can state get twenty eight? I, I don't think that they will. Can state can state have success passing, running? Which one? Which one will you be less surprised to see happen on Saturday? <sighs> I mean, I I kind of like what Brett said. Is you kind of have to take that LSU game plan in and, and attack mm-hmm. everything a yeah. little bit and. Um, which one? Which one do I like the best? Uh, State to have success with. Actually, maybe throwing the football. To be yeah. honest with you, um, assuming Tommy's healthy, we've seen how accurate he can be. Uh, whenever, whenever, whatever's been wrong with him hadn't been wrong with him. So that's it, man. It's just such a. It's just such a challenge when that when that monster rolls into town. You just. And it's still a situation. We said earlier in the year when State played LSU that it was one of the first times in a non-Alabama game that you just felt like there was no chance. Well, here is the Alabama game, and I still feel like there is very little chance of an upset here. Like, I, and I know that what a great day it would be to be a bulldog if it happens. And State's definitely got some some horses that that could pull it off if everything goes exactly right. But like. Like Joe Moorhead said, you don't even have to do anything extraordinary to beat Alabama. You just have to do the the ordinary things extraordinarily well. And how many times this year has State done that? Yeah. Where, where they've done all the little things exactly right. Where they weren't burdened by penalties. Where special teams wasn't an issue. Where, you know, where every little thing went right. They just hadn't done it yet. What makes you think that that would happen against an Alabama team that's going to come in here with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder? I agree. I agree 100%. So we'll talk a lot more about this on tomorrow's uh, show. We'll get deep into the preview for Mississippi State, Alabama. We'll see if there's any chance to find a, a way, a path to upset victory uh, for the Bulldogs. All of that on tomorrow's show. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.